Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It should go without saying. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis, and despite the fact that we were in the middle we thought we'd fit in some NBA chat with our NBA peeps here on our podcast. So I've got the usual suspects here with me to talk all things NBA offseason, free agency trades. It's that time of year. So first of all, I welcome to a very excited, very keen for the upcoming NBA. NBA season, Laker fan Adam Amy. Hey, I'm so excited for the 2012 NBA season to get underway. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> we are going to smash it. 2021, Adam, it's coming up. Sorry? It's 2021. I think you get numbers mixed up there. 2021, mm-hmm. not 2012. Ah. Uh, Oh, that actually makes the off-season a whole lot worse when you think about it. Um, oh, oh. Oh, well, we'll get, yeah, well, basketball. Huh. Okay, it's okay, Adam. Um, and also joining us today is new is uh, the new shiny brand-new Patrick Beverly jersey, Minnesota Timberwolves, Daniel Shea. How are you doing, Dan? G'day. <laughs> I'm uh I'm doing- how, how, how is are you excited for the Pat Bev era in the Twin Cities? Uh I can't so so excited I can't possibly contain it. Um I'm you know, I'm I'm holding out some hope. I heard this rumor that we might be getting uh, you know, Ben Simmons for like our fourth and fifth best players. <laughs> for some reason no, that is a rumor. You'll get that- Ben Simmons once he clears waivers, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that 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 is actually a rumor that has actually been going around, that somehow Maury would let that happen. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, oh, wow. um, so not, I'm looking forward to seeing so not, a, a not, whole lot of losing and maybe some Anthony Edwards highlights. <laughs> for the for the next just season. Just to be yeah. sure, just to be just to be just be absolutely sure, Anthony Edwards is one of those players who's been mooted in the Ben Simmons trade. Just to. Oh, no, to, actually, to be absolutely clear, there are two players that have been deemed untouchable before they even started talking about that trade, Cat and Edwards. So oh, wow. <laughs> they're not even considering either of those guys in the deal. Okay, fair. Which is what, what amazes me that it's still being talked about as a possible deal. I believe, um, we'll I believe get... it's because Rosas, and, um, Rosas and, and Maury are mates, but anyway. Wow. Well, then Maury is... is... He's mates with a lot of guys in the NBA. Um, so he has those relationships. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, that's the big, big issue in Philly. But we'll um, an off-season that started later. Um, something happened just before the end of the season that I can't quite – I just have there's – a, there's, there's a Western Conference Finals and then there's just a – there's a – there's a period um, where I can't remember something happened. Just you some white noise for yeah. Just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. The Phoenix uh, lost the NBA finals from two nothing up. Uh, but I don't don't worry that's about my, the that, that, that noise you're in the background is my heart breaking again. Just it was tough to take. It was tough. To even watch I didn't watch a minute of game six. Oh so. wow. Yeah. It's rough. It was rough, but 
you know, I'm I'm happy with what we've done in the off season. Um, the bench was a little bit uh, shallow, uh, and then of course we had some. You know, we lost uh, Saric, I think, game one. Um, so of the final. So um, it was once you got past the, the starting lineup and maybe Cameron Payne. There wasn't a lot on the bench, but we've retained Payne um, and added JaVale McGee. So the team will be a little, at least more amusing next season. Uh, and we've also traded for Landry Shamit, um, who will be a useful player off the bench, one would imagine. Yep. Um, and re-signed pretty much all of the uh, important bench pieces. So, um, or, you know, guys who uh, play on the bench there in fix. So, can I, can um, I ask a question on that? Yeah, were were you excited when um when when Chris Paul announced that he was running it back? Well, I would have been really unhappy if we had because I don't know um I don't think anyone would have run the team and particularly the offenses as Chris Paul would have. It's it's a recurring theme, I guess, with uh, you know really good Phoenix Sun teams the twenty first century but they seem to be built for a specific type of point guard to run them yeah um, you know the seven seconds or less runs sort mm. of had to had to be driven by an action i don't know if so as particular time at that time when point guards who were more facilitators and, and in the old in the old-fashioned moment were probably the most scarce they'd ever been in nba history um mm. So the fact that we at that time was pretty important. Again, Chris Paul sort of feels like he's the the best point guard to sort of unlock, particularly Aiton, but also Booker and Bridges. You know, I think Crowd is pretty much plugging. Um I don't know what alternative you would have had to running it back with Chris Paul. And I, from what from what Chris Paul was slated to earn. Um, I think it's a reasonably friendly situation without demanding the sort of sessions from him with his salary on his yearly salary ongoing that would have made it him coming back unreal. So I think it's I think it's the best situation it could have been, really. Well, I mean, just I actually quite like some of those moves they made, you know. Like one of the big things that that showed up in the playoffs was firstly Aiton's now better than everyone thought he was. Um is he though? Yes. I'm just being a smart ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but the other thing is that, like, you know, there were periods there where Cam Payne looked like one of the best point, best reserve point guards in the league, mm. and then of course there were those significant stretches where he obviously wasn't right. And so those two those two additions, McGee, another defensive big, um. Uh, who isn't going to threaten for starters minutes, but is going to help off, um, help when Aiton's off, uh, maybe give him a chance to rest a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and Shamit, who's his high, his ceiling is not as high as Payne's when Payne's streaky shooting is going well, mm. but he's a lot steadier, um, and he's a you know he's a reserve guard who can shoot a bit and you know make make some plays as well. So I think it's bolstered some of their um sort of even them out a little bit. And I think those were pretty actually quite clever additions. 
um, given mm. what, what did show up in the playoffs. And the other thing is defensive. Defensively, when you've got, when you have to have one, sometimes both as they ran at various times, because it was basically they were three guards um, yeah. right throughout the series. So right throughout the playoffs. Um, with one or both of Paul and Payne on or you're very small defensively. Payne's six one and Paul's six foot. So Shamit is a more conventional twenty first century NBA sized player. So mm-hmm. um yeah. I think that means that you, you and you could, you know, run a taller line. Um Milwaukee are Milwaukee are a tall generally a, a tall team in the sense that we described the team being in the mid nineties. But today's standards, um, they're a pretty tall team. And even when they go small, they're pretty you know, with the backcourt of A and Middleton and Defensa, they can, they're all six three, six four, six five at, at a minimum. So um, Yeah. While 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 remember that it's hard to it's hard to create a, a team to specifically play against a team in another conference because the chances of you being in the finals are just any specific one team would be small. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you like the Warriors and the Cavs for those four years they played a row. But, um, but it does. And, 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 you know, when the when the Clippers were moments in the sun against the Suns in the Western Conference finals, again, it was, it was related, a lot of it was related to um, the Suns being small and not necessarily super good. Oh, I like what we've done, you know, and I don't know, mm. considering who the Phoenix Suns are, who they've been for a long time, I don't know what else could have been done. I feel like this is, they're never going to be some of the other things we're going to talk about later in this podcast, where it's just, well, let's just go grab everybody who's available. Um, so... This was sort of like the best case scenario. It's like, yeah. by Robert Sava's standards, this is oh, we're going to try and win the championship next, and we all Phoenix Suns fans should be at the same time encouraged by that, but also waiting for the new wonderful way that it won't happen. <laughs> Such positive. It's something. It's you know, yeah. I've got yeah, to say that you got to listen about my Timberwolves. They never break their heart <laughs> because they never never allow to feel that treacherous emotion of hope. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So the one year, like, this is this is this is this, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt a Segway Academy Award now. The one time when the Timberwolves were in a position to break your heart. Uh, was that Kevin Garnett season in 2004? Isn't that Daniel? I thought you might bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm bringing it up to segue to something else. 2004 was also the season where the Lakers brought in a bunch of aging veterans to come in and win championships, which is funnily enough what they've done <laughs> this season. There we go. I don't know what you're talking about. You're, no all you're, you're all welcome. You're all welcome. Applause, applause. So tremendous applause. So compared to the Suns, some of the teams we're going to mention are going to push the two teams, one in each conference, have particularly gone all in this in terms of rounding out their role players uh, um, and other 
positions in their roster with, you know, just whoever they can get making huge moves. And obviously the Los Angeles Lakers have been a story of the 2021 off. Uh, they have, of course, acquired Russell Westbrook, LA, Prada, UCLA. Uh, I don't know if he graduated or not, but he certainly played basketball for them and attended the school for years at least. Um, third team in, is it fourth team in four years for Westbrook? Has he gone Thunder, Rockets, Wizards, Lakers in the space of four seasons? I think, oh, I think he has. Maybe. It's actually quite possible. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in I'm not sure if he did in Houston. He certainly averaged a triple-double in Washington, and he certainly averaged a triple-double in Oklahoma. City. He likes averaging a triple-double. I don't know his chances are. Well, you know, I'd, if I was an NBA player, I'd rather average a triple-double than not. But Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> It's it's nice, um, but the Lakers have also added deep breath. Also, what? Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Reza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Rajon Rondo, and are probably about to add DeAndre Jordan. Hmm. Now, I think this. Unconfirmed rumor, but someone once I heard someone say once there are five players on a basketball team on the court at any one time. Five like, what? As I just five mentioned, players, yeah. more than five. Yeah. You the, the Lakers also still already have uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. <laughs> I've, uh, I've also not mentioned Dwight Howard. Uh, Those guys are all right too. Um, the Lakers I think held on to, held on to those two. Mark Stoll and Taylor Horton Tucker, and that's it. I think everyone else has moved on. Alex Caruso's gone at him. Could you, do you want to pull yeah, look, one out? Look, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Yeah, in all seriousness. The Caruso is gone. Adam, yeah. Adam, that's a lot. That's a lot, a lot of pushing chips into the middle of the table if you're LA, considering your best player is 37 years old. Um, in all business we could have a lot of fun with this but um what thoughts what are your feelings about well, the lakers going into this season are you we're are you not gonna lose to detroit to in the finals that's what i can tell you because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way detroit's making the playoffs there's no way <laughs> detroit are winning 30 games um yeah i don't i look I, i've made a few jokes here and there about it um it's, I don't know. I actually don't know how I feel about it at this stage. Like, I don't think, I mean, you're right. It's a, all the chips are in one basket now. Um, without a doubt, that's the move. But um, maybe it's not the sh- like the ridiculous move that we think it might be. You know what I mean? Like, maybe... Maybe it is the right time. Maybe LeBron is like, I have to win now or never. And I don't know. Westbrook, Westbrook's ready to play under somebody a la LeBron. I mean, is LeBron that good of a, a politician that he, he's got like literally half of the All-Stars from the last 10 years interested in LeBron's legacy? I sort of thought these guys aren't that interested in LeBron getting 
you know, a fourth, a fifth ring. So I say again, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it's possible. It's I, actually possible. I feel like like I had to sit down for a good hour or two to figure out where to put them in my preseason order. Mm-hmm. It's, Daniel, what what do you um, reckon? Yeah, it's it's like a big bag of ill-fitting but very shiny um, pieces of Lego. Like, <laughs> it's hard to see what it's going to look like when you put it all together. The individual pieces are actually pretty shiny, you know. Like, oh wow, the thing about I like the it. thing, yeah, I mean, the thing about like the thing about Russ, who I can I can never firmly decide for a fixed period of time how much I like him, right? Because he's so talented and in terms of basketball IQ, so dumb that he just frustrates the hell out of me when I watch him, right? You see his talent, you see that he cares, and then you see him, you know, turn the ball over on a critical late game possession. But he also wins games off his own hand sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... The thing is, right, his teammates his teammates all seem to really like him. Um, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's... So, I just... I don't know how that's going to go with... Because he's never really played with someone like no. LeBron. He's played with really talented guys, but not, not people who, you know, talk and lead the way LeBron does. Yeah. Um, and... The thing is, right, if if Russ had two gears, he just needs one more. If he had two gears um, or just a bit of a better better judgment about when he should kind of go for it and when he should, you know, um, help or set screens or be a decoy on offense sometimes, he could be so impactful. Um, but he's just such a good 46-minute player often and a really bad two minute player at the end of games quite often mm. um it's a really like it's a really interesting team honestly i'm i'm going to be fascinated to see how they how they are because you know if you were to say like average out their nba 2k ratings or something right you know you'd expect <laughs> this team to win absolute heaps of games but if you think about how they actually play together and how the floor geometry works and who's going to get their shots and from where, it's like, aside from Mello, like, where mm. are they getting their shooting from? You know? Yeah. It's not a, it's not a great three-point shooting team. Um, they haven't, you know, haven't really gone out and got that guy. Like, you know, Nunn's a guy. Nunn, Nunn's another player who sort of maybe that acquisition went a little bit under the radar um, because of all the higher-profile ones. Um you know, props to um, Malik Mark too, um, and that that kind of acquisition. But you know, Nunn's another guy who really is—he can shoot in streaks, but he's more an off the bounce kind of guy. You know, Rondo would need to basically shoot like he did two seasons ago um, to really move the needle on that point, and AD would need to shoot like he shot two seasons ago as well. Um, so it's it's hard to see. Um, I can see there's they've got a lot of quite skilled mid-range there. They've got a couple of good um, three-point shooters. Not too many spot-ups 
a lot of people who can drive, a lot of guys who can defend. I, I, I don't know. I think I actually think this is a really hard to, this Lakers team is a really hard team to project. Mm. Um, because everyone's new and we just don't know how they're going to play together. Um, you know, the, 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 like the only kind of elite spot up shooter they've got on the roster, I'm looking at it now, is probably the new, the new uh, version of Carmelo Anthony. He's probably, you know, one of the best, most reliable spot up shooters they've got on that roster. Um, that oh, is and, terrifying. And, yeah. So what's you know? the starting five, Adam? What's the. Everyone's fit. Well, I actually think this is gonna this is gonna change throughout the season. You're gonna have uh, what you'll have your wet you'll have Westbrook at the one. Is that what the um, I suppose the anticipated starter is? I don't think he's playing center. So yeah, I think Westbrook is. Well, would you play him at the two if LeBron's gonna run the point, right? Yeah. Here's the thing about LeBron <laughs> playing the point on this team is. The roster I'm looking at the moment, there are 17 Lakers on their roster and 11 of them are guards and LeBron isn't one of them. Yeah, all right. So, so I think it's currently think LeBron's, LeBron's going to be play, not going to be playing point guard. I think LeBron's done playing the um, the point guard position. And and is that why, is that might be one of the main motivating factors for the Lakers going and getting Westbrook other than the obvious, you know, he's better than any of the guys we traded for him, is that he might, he, you know, Westbrook with, with, with his one gear, as Daniel's described, might be able to ease the, the load on LeBron in terms of the amount of miles he's going to put on his legs mm. at this age. You know? possible. Oh, we're playing, we're playing Detroit tonight, for example. Oh, well, LeBron can play 25 minutes and we'll just let Russell cook tonight. And... Mm. He'll put up 30, 15, and 10, and we'll win by 20. Well, it won't be a close game. We'll you know, and they'll, pro- and they'll probably be... 50 wins that way. And they'll probably be uh, giving, during the regular season at least, they'll probably be uh, playing none to back him up for quite a lot of the um, regular season, I would think. Um, yeah. You know, and that, that frees them up to use Rondo in more strategic spots, you know, high leverage moments, heading up towards the playoffs, saving his legs a bit. Um, yeah, it's like, it's a really, and I, this is not a euphemism, like it's a fascinating team that I think is actually sort of unpredictable. Um, you know, you've got, you've got yeah. some pieces from their, from their, you know, their, their recent championship roster, but there are some like really major changes. <laughs> Um, and it's it's difficult to think about how they're going to... In their first season together, it's difficult to think about how they're going to sort of all fit. You know what the funny yeah. thing is? The main I mean, factor that... towards, the, towards the Lakers' success is a guy we've barely talked about, because it's it, really the Lakers' success is going to be heavily predicated on the fitness of Anthony Davis. And if I, he's think, I think fit, like last he was in the bubble, saw that, though. Yeah. So all the stuff about Westbrook and Carmelo and, you know... Jerry West and Bob Cousy and whoever else is coming on that Laker roster, um, it is it is mostly about Anthony Davis. And it's just like all this stuff is periphery stuff. It's still, is Davis fit? Can he give you 75 regular season games? Can he be fit for the playoffs? Well, because with all due respect to my team, uh, the main factor in that first round series was Davis went down. And 
before the Davis went down, Lakers would jump in a series. Try not well, to break anything out. Yeah, one of the. I mean, one mm-hmm. one of the. Um, I've been listening to pundits talk about the Lakers. It's been fascinating. And one of the things that came up, this is before some of the more recent acquisitions, but one of the uh, more interesting ideas I'd heard someone raise was that um, uh, partly in consideration of that um, and, you know, AD maybe needing some rest or, um, you know, that sort of stuff is the idea that they might play Russ as a small four for stretches um, Mm. because of his rebounding. Um, and it's not it's not completely insane, particularly given how many actual guards they've got. Okay. Um, it's not completely insane. It's a lot insane. <laughs> <laughs> this is nah. the West. So, you know. So once the Lakers struggle to glide up Luca, and Luca's going to be playing the one when they play Dallas. I'm just saying, we're, so... talking about a, we're talking about a guy who's averaged double-figure rebounds for how many seasons from guard. Who has led the league in um, in interior scoring? Like it's not completely crazy. He does have gaps, obviously. He's not a great. Yeah, defender, but, it, but I reckon that proves that Russell Westbrook is the best rebounder from the top of the key in the history of the NBA, because he'll just get to where the ball goes from there quicker than anybody else. He is one of the all-time quickest players in NBA history, amongst certainly amongst elite players. Yeah, so no doubt. he gets a lot of. What what you know uncontested rebounds could get ball before everyone else does. So, yeah, it's not completely insane, but it, there's a lot of insane in that. There's a lot of insanity in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, don't be they surprised should... if we see it for stretches. I look at that roster, and I, I don't have anything that's surprising. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um, it's just it is it is it is baffling. So. That that uh, roster composition will change a Will become a little bit more top heavy if they if they um, if they then add DeAndre Jordan as expected. But um, mm. they still pretty much yeah. only got yeah. They they'd still be all the things are basically guards, and they're all all of those guards. People listed as guards are six five or shorter. So it's not like yeah. they've got an MJ or a Kobe-sized player who can facilitate between the two and the three. Well, the other thing that sprang to mind, just, you know, kind of looking at the the contracts at the moment as well, is just wondering, given that it's sort of parts of it seem like a sort of strangely ill-fitting um, roster, but guys who are, you know, good, good role players, are good at what they do, even if they don't seem to entirely fit based on, you know, conventional basketball in L.A., is just and the fact they've got so many players. Like, what did you say? Seventeen. The roster mm-hmm. I've got in front of me is sixteen. But if they get Jordan, it's seventeen, right? Okay. The um, ro- roster I have doesn't have Jordan in it, but it has the two-way players in it. So yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. might be. Yeah. yeah, but either way, you know, they've got their roster's too long right now. Um, yeah. and there are a couple of there are a couple of you know good role players with tradable contracts. Looking at them, and it just makes me wonder whether they've maybe maybe they're loading up for one one more um big. Yeah, one more big move before the before the season gets. Um... You mean GM LeBron at it again? <laughs> Let me put yes. it this way: if I'm training with the Lakers and they call me, which is obviously like, okay, they're calling you because they need one more piece to, you know, have the roster exactly how they want it to make a run. There is no conversation that I am that I am even going to tolerate 
with the Lakers who are calling for a trade that doesn't involve Taylor Horton Tucker. He's the one piece on that team who's like, I would like to have that. And in three years, he's still going to be playing in the NBA. Yep. In the version of the roster I've got, he is their fourth highest paid player. So in some ways, that's the that's the most movable contract. That's the contract. Yeah. If you need to get someone who's, you know, at more of an all-star level, you that contract has to be included to try and make the contracts match. Otherwise, you are yeah. you are literally change, you know, trading, you know, sixteen five cent pieces for a dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, quick quiz before we move on from the Lakers, and you're not allowed to look. How many members of the U.S. U.S. Olympic medal, gold medal winning basketball team from the 2012 Olympics are on the Lakers roster. Oh, Jesus. Um, Adam, quick guess. It's a number between 0 and 12. It's a number between 0 and 12. <laughs> uh, six. Inclusive. Six. Daniel? Five. It's four. Four. Oh. Both went over. Um, both overshot. It is Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony kind of the framing of the question. Carmelo Anthony. So, yeah. wow. There are there is two members of that 2012 gold medal winning team who are on the Brooklyn Nets, who are the closest thing we've got to the Lakers in the East. They have traded DeAndre to Detroit, but Lamarcus Aldridge has got clearance to play. So, what do we think of that? He's added. Um, About what? Lamarcus Aldridge. Is that like going to be the steal of the of the year, or is it going to be a complete flop that he just yeah? They they they've added one of the most underrated heat check playoff guys in Hmm. Patty Mills. Yeah, it's just um. That's a nice little addition. That made me sad. I thought he was coming to LA. I was so excited. <laughs> He's just like LeBron didn't get the memo, and we didn't get Patty. It's not a registered NBA player over thirty years of age. Yeah, he's coming to LA. Um, obviously, they got a lot more out of Blake Griffin than they than a lot of people thought they were going to get. Maybe the Nets thought they were going to get exactly what they got, but Griffin's mm-hmm. probably the reason why they're happy to get cut Jordan loose, other than saving a whole bunch of money on the luxury tax. Uh, I, I actually I think there are quite a few reasons that they're happy to cut Jordan loose. Um, you know, all due respect, but I mean Nick Claxton is sort of shaping up to be Jarrett Allen Mark II. You know, as things are as things are going, he was showing quite he was quite promising. If Aldridge is anything like he was, you know, before he um, before he he uh, found out about his um, his heart problem and temporarily retired. You know, he's going to be a handy player. He doesn't need to be a dominant player for the Nets. Um, you know, he's a very reliable mid-range and in-scorer um, from that 4-5 sort of position. Um, and, um, you know, he's a big body too. And another, another, you know, another entire complement of fouls if they find themselves facing, say, a Giannis, who Blake Griffin's very good at defending by himself anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, DJ will have seen the writing on the wall. Like, you know, they effectively acquired another another guy who plays his position who's probably a better fit for the way that they play the game. Um, and, 
you know, he was already he was already basically buried on the bench through the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not that shocked <laughs> that that they let him go. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, the essentially the Nets are going to be if they're healthy, they're already you know, um, they're already kind of title favorites. I mean, um, yeah, they lost that they lost the Buck series by like a literal inch. Yeah, and if they and if they end up effectively gaining Kyrie, Harden, Aldridge. And Patty Mills, I mean, that's a pretty good off-season, right? If they effectively gain them all. Yeah. Um, I know that they won't have everyone at the start of the season, but still, if they've got them by the pointy end, that's a that's a scary team. And they yeah. they fit more naturally than the Lakers do. I'm not saying that, you know, like... Uh, again, look, I, I'm very well... I'm well aware yeah. how much the Lakers do not fit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you heard it here first. You heard it first. <laughs> um, the uh, um, the Nets. Oh, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, does James Harden get enough credit for playing through that Buck series? Brian just is really willing to you know not give Harden the benefit of the doubt, especially Isn't he the only one that played through that Buck series. I mean, there was a number of players who played through the series with something, you know, everyone's got something hurt with them in the playoffs. But um, Giannis's injury didn't happen after that series, but I felt like Harden was... Felt like it wasn't it. enough. It wasn't really mentioned. It was just like, oh, well, you know, Harden's playing on one leg, and this is the reason why the Nets lost the series. Not, you know, mm. Harden's doing an incredible job just to get on the floor. So... Again, with a bit like the Lakers and Anthony Davis, the question about the Nets is how how much time, how much do they get the three guys on the floor at the big three on the floor at the same time? Yeah, they've still got some of the yeah Bruce Brown who they found last year who sort of flourished last year. Um, they've still got Joe Harris. They've got they've got a they've got a roster which looks a lot more conventional in terms of uh, balance. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, again, um, just by I mean, aside from Patty, they've they're looking uh, at a season where they're adding by just people getting better, like people mm. recovering, you know. Yeah. Um, in terms of James Harden and credit, I mean, the I guess the big thing is right. He really did hurt his stock with the start of that season in Houston. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, now, obviously, he showed. Um, he showed after he, he made the move that he was still as, as talented and skilled as he'd been before and all that sort of thing. But in terms of, you know, goodwill, uh, respect, the shine, you know, like he, he was, he was starting from behind the eight ball before that season, that, that series. And I think that's part of the reason people don't give him much credit for it. Um, he's still got some making up to do, I think. Um, Hmm. but yeah, you know, look. He he was putting his body on the line when he clearly wasn't right, um, and he was mostly playing the role of decoy. He was, you know, El Cid out there basically. Yeah. Um. So sure, fine. Um, I, I guess you know that was a that was a, a difficult thing to do, particularly someone who's um accustomed to having such a big uh, influence on the game as he is, but um. 
you know, the fact is that they're entering entering the team as um, if healthy, like they fit. They're a flamethrower on offense. They've shown that when they need to, they can play. They can play, you know, really stifling defense. And there's not a lot to say about the Nets, really, is there? Like they're just a really good team, and they're going to be better this season, assuming they're able to be healthier than they were last season at the right time of year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kyrie's okay. going to games due to you know being Kyrie. Being Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kyrie's good at being Kyrie. He's better at it than anyone else. Um, oh, I don't know. There'd be a couple of people who are better at it than he is. I'm gonna I'm gonna forward what might be a slightly controversial opinion, and it's certainly one that'll be left field, and it's not an, an all NBA related. It's it's not it's not it's it's partially relates to a player who we just talked about who happens to play in the NBA. But from start of the NBA playoffs to this moment, perhaps the greatest clutch basketball performance I saw in that period was Patty Mills in the bronze medal game. Oh wow, yeah, Patty. To hit to hit forty two points. In a medal match, when you watch how much that offense had to revolve around one, his offense, but also how hard he had to work to get his offense, that was that was it was the equal of pretty much any game seven performance I've seen in the last few years in in, in an NBA playoff series. It was it was extraordinary, but because it happened. In a bronze medal match that no one else in the world would have watched except people from Australia, people from Slovakia, people from Dallas, because Luca was playing for Slovakia, and probably some San Antonio fans, um, and no one in the crowd because it was an empty stadium. Um, wasn't Pop? Wasn't Pop the first one to go and congratulate him too? I certainly congratulated I think, I think him at some he, I stage. Think, I think he ran and gave him a hug or something. Yeah. The, because of the way that the whole schedule was organised, um, the gold medal match went happened before the bronze medal match, so that both yep. match, so that the American the gold, gold medal match could go prime time into America. Um, so that was a good night for me, Adam. Because um, was it? Yeah, because um, Patty, we won the bronze medal and St Kilda beat Sydney that night, so that was excellent. They what? <laughs> <laughs> Just an incredible there are so many words I want to say to you right now. Yeah, well, you said one of them before when you were describing the Lakers' prospects this season. Yeah, um, yeah. proper. <laughs> I said it proper. You said it proper. Apologies to all the lip readers at home. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to give Patty Mills' dap all the best in Brooklyn. He is um, He's now in that absolute top echelon of Australian basketball is all time. He's he's at the gays level and you know I'm 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 of the same generation as you guys. No one's gonna be convinced me the greatest Australian basketballer is not Andrew Gaze. Um guy who should be the greatest Australian basketballer of all time didn't play in the Olympics and um it was really interesting and I was really happy to hear Brian Gorgian say it the day after the bronze medal match when everyone had sort of soaked in you know, the, the post-match interview with Mills and Ingalls and how much it meant to them and the, and mm-hmm. the sort of the sort of boomer gold medal or dust, gold or nothing, whatever it was called. I forget what oh, it was called. It was great. 
get the culture they had built that just and, and how long and how hard those guys have specifically had worked to get to that point and how much it was deserved that Gorgian said the next day, this is why I wanted Ben Simmons at the Olympics, not so he could win a bronze medal, but so he could see it and be inside the culture. You know, Gorgian gets it. He's he's the greatest basketball coach we've ever had in Australia, and he coached the team that I despise the most in NBL, NBL basketball history, the Southeastern Melbourne Magic, a team which consistently beat the Tigers throughout the 1990s with a lot less talent than the Melbourne Tigers had. Um, but, you know, he gets it. It was wonderful that he came back. It was probably the last piece of the puzzle and winning the bronze medal was Gorgian coming back to coach them. Um, I'm not usually the sort of person who gets angry about athletes making individual you know, individual decisions. I've never been like, oh, you know, Nick Kyrgios, for example, he owes this just, no, he doesn't. He's a tennis player. He makes a living, you know, take him or leave him. You know, it's entertainment. If you don't like it, don't watch it. You don't have to support him. So I didn't have as much problem with Ben Simmons skipping the Olympics for whatever reason he wants as other people. And I'll be happy to hear your thoughts on that specific issue. Um, mm. But I do think it would have been clearly in his benefit to have played in the Olympics. Yep. I think that's a reasonable statement. Yeah. I um, One of the things that's kind of uh, – this is – I'm not sure if we're going to be segueing into a broader Simmons discussion now, but like, um, yeah. So one of the things that keeps coming out uh, about, or people keep saying about um, Simmons is that his problems are mental. You know, there's this fear of failure and all of that sort of thing. And honestly, I think that was actually a pretty significant part of um, his reasons for not playing both in the, you know, the, the world champs and then the Olympics. Um, and you know, ultimately, he's, he's got an attitude problem, but he also has yeah. a, um, he also has a like a fear of failure problem. And as we're seeing with the the way things are, are shaping up um, with Philly, like you know, he 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 won't be told. Um, it's yeah. interesting because obviously the situation he's entered into Philly, and it's the only situation he's been in, has been here. You go, you two, Ben and Joel, you're you're the franchise players. You lead. I don't think that's the situation he would. It's anywhere near the situation he would have would have been in if he had been in this boomer team. Because Mills mm. and Ingles would have sat him down in particular, and Baines, and would have been like, "No, we're the veterans. We're the leadership. We've got this. You just you just play, right? You go do you go do you, Ben? Yeah, yeah. You will have a specific role. And it was clear watching the if you watched a single boomers game during the Olympics that everyone had a specific role and they played it. You know, yeah. someone like Lansdale played that role so well that he played himself mm. into a two-year NBA contract. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it was amazing. Just the thought of what a <laughs> what a, a defensive five with Matisse Tybal, Dante Exum, and Ben Simmons all on the floor at the same time could do to international teams is just, you know, like they that's a team that could have 15-minute patches of those three guys on the floor. The other team basically doesn't score. You know, I, I said before... Agreed. You know, I think yeah. someone on Twitter asked, what's the one thing Gorgia could do before the bronze medal match, um, you know, to get them over the top and address the Doncic problem? I just said, start Tybal. Yep. And, and I think they did. And there was a lot, but when that defensive setup got happened in the Olympics and they had Tybal and Exum on the floor together with, and, and also Delavadova, who is, you know, not the physical specimen those other two guys are, but is an absolute defensive beast for a man his size, pound for pound. 
It's just like you're not go- you you have to work for every basket. And the, you know the boomers from now on can sort of build this defensive identity, especially if they sort of manage to get Simmons into there, where you'll be able to start that transition basketball that Simmons loves so mm. much and he's so transcendently good at that a lot of the easy baskets, I mean, that that's, you can make any sort of level of basketball easier if you get those transition baskets, but particularly international basketball where the, if you get stuck into the half court, mm. the zone can just completely clog your offense. So, you know, Ben, it's only, you know, Ben, I'm talking to you now. Um, it's only three years to the next Olympics. I imagine there's a world championship between that a world cup between now and then just get in the system. There's that veteran leadership. You don't have to feel the pressure. Just come and play. Be in a situation that's not Philly. See what it's like. Maybe it would have been a test run for, you know, what it's not like in that, you know, being in the process. You know, the process, the process is over because he's leaving. The process has been over-processed. We've been through this. Yeah. yeah. So Philly are going to, and, you know, we... Daniel and I specifically on this podcast were very much for a long time in the trade the other guy camp. Um, we well, Daniel could admit to whatever he wants to admit to. I was wrong. Um, it was Embiid, you know, who the mental penny dropped for, and it's Embiid who the team's going to be built around now. Embiid who would have been MVP last season if he'd played seventy games or you know sixty games. So. Um, yeah, Simmons is probably not going to find himself this season when he gets traded. When it does happen, and it might not happen until the season has started. But I di- he's only going to find himself as the best player on a poor team, um, or in another situation where he's probably expected to take to to be added to a a, a middling team that has a piece to put them over the top. But neither of them are going to be the ideal situation for him mentally, I wouldn't think. Well, I I mean, it sounds like we're sort of shifting into, like, you know, actual what's going to happen with Simmons this season. And I think it's worth digging into a bit because the idea that, one, he's undervalued, well, you know, his stock is down, or maybe he's appropriately valued, whatever. His stock is down now. Yeah. Uh, and, um, two... You know, we know that Maury won't won't be uh, won't willingly let him get self get um, beaten on any on any deal. Um, and you know, Simmons has has looked the owner in the face and told him that he will hold out. He will not play. He will not report. He will not attend. And he won't miss a paycheck until November. Um, even if he gets fined, he won't be losing any money until then. Yeah. Um, but. The fact of the matter is we've got bad teams that have had trade discussions with the Sixers and have opened those by saying our one guy, our number one guy, our number two guy, and maybe our number three guy are off the table. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The The Minnesota Timberwolves (laughs) have said (laughs) we're interested, but we won't consider trading Cat or Edwards. Maybe if you're really nice, we'll think about trading you D'Angelo Russell. Now, right. at the risk of 
just putting a, a, a not not to us, but maybe to some of the younger listeners at home, an obscure pop culture reference into that. Yep. If the Minnesota Timberwolves were talking to me and I was Daryl Morey and they said that to me, my initial response would be, <laughs> you just seen Rocky. <laughs> yeah. um, Who are the Timberwolves? You, you get what, Simmons any way you can if you're Minnesota. It gets better, though, because the Sacramento Kings have been in discussions and they open discussion by saying, well, you're not getting Fox and we're not even going to talk to you about Halliburton. Right? You know, no one seems to be willing to part with much. The rumor that keeps going around that has no reporting substantiation is, uh, you know, like someone like McCollum in possibly a straight up. But the, no one actually thinks McCollum's going anywhere. Not really. Yeah. Um, the, and the, the days left field that... suggestion, the left field suggestion I heard was uh, was some sort of uh, deal involving Golden State, where I. Th- like Simmons, mm. you know, in a sort of theoretical sense, makes pretty good sense as a long-term replacement for Draymond Green. But when you start thinking about how it would work practically, and this is we're talking about the mental aspect of the game, he's like the anti-Draymond. Mm. Yeah. And again, you know, like they, they've talked about the interest, but who are they giving up? You know, like who who are they sending back? Wiggins and Wiseman, the two pieces yeah. they've got. So, the, yeah, the, which are two pieces Golden State that they are at the moment. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been an asset to Golden State from the moment they traded for it. You know, the, and and drafting Wiseman, an asset too. It seems like they sort of. They've, they've grown cold on Wiseman a little early, I would have thought, but they're not looking to give up. I mean, they're never going to trade Curry or Thompson so or Draymond, so what else is there to... Well, yeah, and, you know, like, they've just drafted some promising but raw talent. I mean, you know, the projections for Kaminga are, like, all over the place, you know? Um, super athletic, but very raw. Um, some people thought he was actually a risk to pick where they did, you know, like, so that's the thing, right? This whole thing, like, you know, Simmons has demanded to be traded and has gone further than certain others in that he's actually said, not only will I not play, I won't turn up to camp. I won't come to anything. I won't pick up phone calls, whatever. Um, I'm willing to get fined for it. Um, and but there's nowhere to send him the other thing about it is that you know you compare him to some of the recent situations things are frosty with the team and like to say the least and what's in it for him to play the good soldier make a deal um head back to the team and do his best and drive up his trade value but that's not of much benefit to him right his, his mm. salary is guaranteed. So if he dries up his trade value, what that means is the team he gets to will have to give up more to get him and hence be less good when he arrives. So, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think it's... Honestly, I think it's quite likely he will still technically, if not practically, be a 76er, not just at the start of the season, possibly some way into the season, just because of the lack of options. Um, 
you know, Maury is not desperate to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that I heard I've heard brought up is that um, you know, during summer league through um, he showed flashes last season. Like they're actually really happy with Tyrese Maxey as a point guard that they can start and play. And sure, he's not on the same level as as Simmons when Simmons is playing well, but he's a perfectly serviceable starting point guard. Um, they're not going to be bad if they're starting Maxi, and they're going to have a lot less problems with thing, a lot fewer problems with things like, um, you know, chemistry and and floor geometry if they're playing Maxi than when they're playing Simmons. You know, so I I actually think we mm. may very well be headed for a, a, a time when either Simmons is not playing and losing money for it, um, but technically a sixer, um, or he's he cracks and does a James Harden from last season and technically plays, but turns up and doesn't play very hard. And, you know, he's on the court, he's there in body, but not in spirit. Um, mm. Yeah. I actually think, I mean, it's sad, but I actually think it's not, it's hard to see an alternative to that, one of those two options um, right now, just because there's no, there's nowhere who can really trade for him. Um, Adam. Based, yeah. Do, do you ever thought about where he'll end up? Uh, China is going to play out. China. <laughs> um, China. I think he's done. He, he's done so much damage, like his trade value that, like he's been his worst, his own worst enemy. Like I, I just don't see. Like we were talking last season. We we had a lot of discussions about Golden State being a great place for Ben Simmons. Do you, do you see that as a possibility again? Does he? Is he rejuvenated or is he just troublesome for somebody? Some say someone's got to get through to him and it might be Draymond. I don't know, but he's. Is it, yeah. He's uh, this is where I'm like, is it? got to be mentally tougher. He's clearly got to be in a situation where he's not the man. I honestly, I think um, he's going to respond very badly to um, Draymond's style. I think. Uh, you know, he's shown time and again. So there's some stuff that's come out more recently that happened a while ago, but, you know, hadn't sort of surfaced. Yep. Um, Ramona Shelburne and and um, Jackie McMullen were talking about some of this stuff um, where he's actually gone away, like under um, Brett Brown. You know, he went away with, um, you know, like a, a training plan um, and he'd sort of agreed to go and talk to the, um, uh, you know, the development uh, the the head of development at the Sixers and work on specific things, specific spots. Yeah. He had some quite manageable and particular goals, particularly with free throws, um, hitting you know open and and um and catch and shoot from sort of longer longer mid range with the goal of moving up to like corner threes stuff like that. Yeah, because I had this whole plan quite manageable, you know, uh, with specifically identified weaknesses. Anyway. Uh, Brett Brown sort of trusted the process that that, that was going to happen. And then next time he speaks to um, to Ben, it's like after the off-season's happened, just before training camp, turns out Ben, he never reported to this guy about, like, a you know, he basically walked out of the meeting with um, with uh, Brown and the, um, and the, the player development guy and went, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to get one of my, I think it was one of his brothers or something, one of his brother's friends or something. He's like, I'm just going to train with him. And he did absolutely, he worked on absolutely none of the things that have been identified as weaknesses. He worked, like he played and trained and whatever, 
but he didn't work on any of his weaknesses during that time, yeah. and it showed the next season, right? Like, the biggest thing about Simmons that you can really say is, aside from his defense, what's he gotten better at? Like, he's actually gotten worse at pretty important things, like free throws, and particularly um, in higher leverage, higher pressure situations. None of it's gotten yeah. better. You know, no. His stock has dropped, and it's not like a fluke. Um, and part of yeah. it, and I didn't know about that piece, but part of it is that he's been given specific helpful feedback in a supportive way and completely ignored it. Um, yeah. What do you do, though? Well, that's the thing. Like, the thing that keeps coming up back is that, you know, he won't be told. Like, you can watch interview footage of him being told, like, you know, why why don't you shoot the occasional three, essentially, right? Mm. And he'll respond, rather than kind of directly addressing that question, he'll normally respond with something like, okay, but we've got Joel in the corner, or... You know, we've got Seth Curry in the corner. Like, what's a higher percentage shot? Right. So I'll pass to him. Right. And just this idea that, um, you know, adding adding elements to his game might actually make both him and his team better is one that he just won't listen to. So yeah, agree. You know, some something needs to change for him to get anything close to his potential in a team situation. Something he's okay. got to give. Time, time, yep. time to time to blow you guys' minds with some <laughs> amateur homeless man trade machine, Picasso. So um, let's let's. I think we've all agreed that we're going to disavow ourselves of the idea that Simmons can change. So he needs to be put in the ideal situation. The ideal situation is one where there's a lot of shooting. Two, where he won't be relied on to be, you know, to produce offensively in big moments. But three, not on a contender. This, not on a, well, not on a contender, but on but sort of play with existing strengths, right? So trade works, okay. Ben Simmons mm. to the Atlanta Hawks for Gallinari, Reddish, and Herder. What the hell are you smoking? Um. That's actually not terrible. Who says no? Philly doesn't say Simmons no. Then just like get rid of this bloke. Simmons comes in and plays power forward. He plays four in that role in that in that situation. So, you know, uh, Atlanta keep Capella. They keep John Collins. Well, actually, Simmons might play three. They they keep uh, Bogdanovich. They obviously keep Trey Young. They've still got Lou Williams off the bench. They've still got DeAndre Hunter. Meanwhile, Philly is suddenly super deep. You know they've they've got Gallinari, Harris, Reddish, Herder, Curry, Green, Tybal, Maxi, Andre Drummond. So who were the three again? The Gallinari, three Reddish, and Herder. Did you say? And Herder, yeah. Yeah, the Hawks will say no. Hawks will Hawks say, Hawks no. say no. I think everyone Hawks here, say no. I think the I think the problem is that any contender is going to say no to Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, well, because I mean, the other part of it is this, right? Um, since season two, I think it was his second season. The him playing point guard was an experiment. The reason they drafted um, uh, names got out of my head. Okay. Fultz. Yeah, the reason they drafted Fultz was because Simmons playing point guard was meant to be a temporary experiment, you know. He entered the league without a position, and he played through an entire, well, his entire college experience without a, a true position, right? 
But he fell in love with the idea and he's refused to play any other position since. Um, so, like, they've actually tried to get him to play forward and, uh, and you know, experiment with other, other roles, other positions mm. uh, in Philly. Uh, most um, kind of most uh, spectacularly when they had Butler and they got him to play off the ball a bit and it didn't go well, right? The team was doing well. Um, yep. But he was getting increasingly unhappy, and it really soured his relationship with the team, and was a significant part of you know uh, Butler leaving, Butler deciding to leave. Yeah. Um. So like, the reason the Hawks say no is that if they know him at all, they're like, well, yeah, for him, if they know for, him at all. Like for him to get for him to get yeah. here and for it to work. Like the thing is, the Hawks, the Hawks showed in the playoffs that. Their chemistry is really good. And that, I mean, that series, I can't remember, one of the commentators pointed out that if you just look at the second half of the season, their record was as good as the Sixers' record. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, when everyone was healthy and all that sort of stuff. And he he screws up the chemistry. And honestly, the, the, the toughness that that team showed reduces with him on it. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Like I say, it works. It works from a contract standpoint, but the Hawks say no. That's what I think, anyway. Well put. Fair enough. How uh, about? What about the best they wave him and send him to Turkey? <laughs> Come on, if they're going to wave him, he's going to get picked up on waivers by the Lakers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 <Be real. laughs> Simmons clutch. Yep. Yeah. There we go. Uh, you, you you've just unearthed our plan. Oh, now we're. <laughs> Now, 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 let's get serious. Team two, Los Angeles. What is the Laker trade that they could make for Ben Simmons? Unfortunately, it would probably involve Russell Westbrook. Um, Jeez. There's four guys on that team who are tradable. Uh, actually, you know you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen if they try? What? LeBron says no. <sighs> I kid you not, you know. like He's too young. Well, the no. only way they're getting him is if they sign him off waivers. I'm not joking about that. I, I don't. I don't. Three I don't, years ago, I think I, I sat in this space and argued that LeBron should pick Philadelphia. So, yeah, no, no, I, I think <laughs> so. Again, look at look at um, look at LeBron's basketball friendships, and then look at his actual record with those guys when they've had a chance to come and play with him. Right? Mm. He and Chris Paul will never play together, you know, in the NBA at least. Um, yeah. And, you know, Carmelo only made it to this, to a LeBron team after he completely transformed his game. He's now a, a spot-up shooting role player, and now he fits with LeBron's game, right? Um, remember, you know, Carmelo was down and out. LeBron was, was out mugging for him saying, hey, you know, this guy deserves a job. But at no point was it seriously considered that he would come and play with LeBron at the Lakers. And if LeBron wanted that to happen, it would have happened. Dan Bombs. <laughs> like... Uh, I, I I think that, you know, there might be real love there and whatever, but um, if we haven't heard about it yet, it's not happening. LeBron doesn't want to play with him at this point. That's Fair enough. Reckon. Fair yeah. enough. Do you want Ben Simmons on the Lakers, Adam? No, no, I do not. Uh, fair enough. Can we, can, we, can we get him he, off the can – we, can we denounce him from Australia as well while we're at it? <laughs> he, well, needs to he needs to come and play for a bad team. Where he'll lift their win, he'll lift their win total from like you know, I don't know, like twenty games to thirty games. 
There's a G-grade men's team that play on a Thursday night out in Pakenham that could do with him. <laughs> he might have to play on the bench, though. I'm, I think I, I think Daniel's talking about the Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah. Is it? No, look, look. They'll, the the guys in Pakenham will probably take um, some of the Timberwolves players as well. Let's be real. Yeah. Like if they're looking for a run in the preseason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think the sign above Adams. Uh, microphone has said that we've run out of things to talk about if we're talking about <laughs> Packardom. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to all to all our listeners um, in in that area of the world. And <laughs> when when the Victorian government and their infinite wisdom allows people to travel three hundred kilometres from their home, I might be able to get out there again. Um, <laughs> Why would you rather... want to go out there again? I don't live there anymore, by the way. You're, you're much closer now. So I'm much closer. I'm, yes. I'm like a whole 20 minutes closer to your place. It means it only takes me two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes to get to your place. Yeah, and six months. <laughs> um, Is this lockdown six or seven? Okay, Seven for me and six for you. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, on that, on that <laughs> somewhat existential note, that was excellent. We're going to give a word of warning to everyone listening at home in their cars. You know, cancel multiple evenings in October because, you know, we do fully intend to go the the triple-headed monster for the uh, preseason previews. They were they were both like 90 minutes last year with two of us. I think they were the same the year before. Well, so if we're all we're going through every NBA team in detail, in so much as Daniel will have done research and Adam and I won't. Have. Um, I'll be looking at looking up Google frantically five minutes before we record, um, but it should be very interesting to see where we all have everyone coming in this upcoming NBA season. And of course, all predictions wrong, all your money back. Yes, Adam. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. If but... we if we manage, and this is probably just a suggestion that's that's for naught because of the uh, the situation we're all in. This NBA preview, maybe this should be a a roundtable, all of us in the same room podcast. Oh, I think that'd be wonderful if circumstances allow. If everybody's double dosed and ready to yeah, ready and, to and mingle, this is we we have our discussions and we have our debates and we have our disagreements on it. Should be it should go without saying that all the members of the podcast are in agreement with this piece of advice: go and get vaccinated. Mm. So yes. your your yep. humble host is getting his second shot next week. So by by the time you hear this, you will you I will have got my shot. My five G reception will be incredible. There'll be no more breakages or those little pauses in the podcast you hate because I'll just be radiating Wi Fi and five G and it'll be awesome. And you know that's the why I sound thing. so smooth. G A G F. So Adam's fully vaccinated weeks. already. And uh, Daniel is two well weeks. on his way. Two, two weeks. weeks. So two weeks for my second. We're all going to be yeah. fully vaccinated by the time we do it. So yes, and yep. then we can do a roundtable, all getting together, and then we can do a three-hour podcast on Goodfellas. Ah, uh, no, that was. Something <laughs> else. Um, we'll do rounders. We'll do rounders. <laughs> two rounders. We could do Dead Poet Society, but Daniel hasn't seen it. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen rounders either. <laughs> so it's a little more niche. <laughs> It's anyway. fine. We can talk. We, you can just sit there and laugh while we talk about rounders. <laughs> I'm a terrible actor. Um, until next time, Adam and Daniel, thank you so much. It was so much fun. It was great chatting with you guys about the NBA, and we'll chat 
next NBA chat will be NBA previews. So thanks, guys. Our next podcast will be a couple of weeks time when I get together with Cam and talk about the AFL Grand Final. Until then, this has been the podcast you should go without saying, and we will catch you next time.